Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. With the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. My name is D.C. Marshall, and I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Edmund Jr. Listen, uh, if you all have been listening to the show, and hopefully you are, but let's just say you are new to the show. This is a show about faith and finances. So we talk about, of course, money and wealth and how it is that we grow as a culture, as a people, but we also are rooted in faith. We are believers and we're bold and unapologetic about it. And you know, the word of the Lord says in John 10, 10, um, the B clause, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so Alfred and I, we believe, listen, we are believers in the world. We are not the non-believing believers. You know, the people who believe in God, but they don't believe what God says. No, we're the believing believers. And if God says that he's come, that we would have life and have it to the full, then we receive it. And our prayer is always that if you are plugged in, that you will get something here on this show that will help you to move into that So, Alfred, why don't you tell them about our show today? Today, we're going to talk to a population of servant and professionals who are also very, very core to church life, and that is our teachers. And I'm not just talking about Sunday school teachers. I'm talking about professional teachers who've always been a core of religious life. But we're going to talk about, as a trained educator, how can I earn more money? We know there's a disconnect between the value we place on education and how we compensate our teachers. Today's guest is going to help us explore that for a very, very important part of our, our population, teachers. Today's show, we are talking about um, the profession of educators, teachers, um, academicians. I think I'm going to add them, right? It's anybody who is in the profession or trained to educate in a formal capacity. And the reason we're talking about that today is because we know uh, some of the most important, if not the most important profession and role are educators, K through 12 and even above, but they are not compensated their worth. They are not valued in ways that, you know, Alfred, I always compare them to Wall Street. You know, I've worked on Wall Street and where there's oogobs and oogobs of money, but when it comes to educators, not so much. And so I love that we are talking about um, as trained educators, we're talking about y'all's money, our money, the, the people who take care of our kids, our grandbabies, our godbabies, our nieces and our nephews, and how it is that they need to make more, but until they can make Make more how you can earn more. So, Alfred, what do you want to share about today's show on getting paid what you deserve? What, what say you, my friend? Yeah, I mean, just like you say, getting paid what you deserve, being able to leverage your value in the marketplace is actually something that's important to understand for any profession, but especially important for teachers, depending on what city and what school system you, you're operating in. Um, you have a, a variety of hurdles um, to navigate 
in order to really get paid what you're worth, to get paid something that measures that measures up to the value of what you're delivering. As you said, Dee, we're talking about the most precious resource we can have in the hands of a professional, and that is the hearts and minds of our children. And let me just say this, we know when it comes to Black children and Black teachers who are underrepresented, yep. uh, we know that there's a lot more at stake even beyond the salary. We're talking about the degree to which our kids succeed in school, the likelihood that they'll go off to college, the likelihood yep. of whether they'll drop out of school or not. Having mm-hmm. a Black teacher increases the positive outcomes across the board. Uh, but most people, I know I remember my first Black teacher wasn't until I was in third grade. I didn't have another one until I got to high school. And then I was mm-hmm. in college. Having a Black person in front of you teaching makes a significant academic difference, which means it makes an economic difference because it affects the earning power of that student once they matriculate into the world. So this is a broad and important topic where we have the perfect guest to have this conversation. Dr. Bisa Batten-Lewis, author, speaker, educator, development coach. We are so glad to have you on this show because you are the right person to have this conversation. Somebody said an educational powerhouse. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bisa. Thank you so much, Alfred and D. I'm so happy to be here to talk to our fellow educators or anyone who educates anyone at any level in any profession. Listen, Dr. Bisa, talk to me about your journey to this particular cause, this particular ministry, this particular goal. Um, you know, you've been three decades in the education space. Uh, you've been helping educators to rethink their own value in the marketplace. Talk to me about your journey and how you come to be doing what you're doing now. Thank you for this space. So I started out uh, in terms of entrepreneurship. Let me start there, go way, way back to childhood. So my grandfather, I'm a GPK. My grandfather was a pastor, but he also I had a barbershop. Well, I thought he owned the barbershop until here recently at a family event. I was told, Bisa, he didn't own it. I said, well, I thought he did, but he, he worked there like he owned it. So we went in every day for cookies, you know, those big barbershop cookies, thinking this is our grandfather's barbershop that he owned it. So that was a part of the quilt, I'll say, the the fabric in my quilt. In addition to that, my mom worked at a factory, a candy factory when we were growing up and she was on the swing shift. So I recall when, you know, oftentimes she was often asleep. When we got home, she was either at work or asleep. And when we got up to other school, to school, she was at work or asleep. And I recall her telling us, and I don't think she realized at the time how important this was. She told my sister and I, look, I do not want you guys to ever work in a factory. And it seemed like it just stuck with me and I continued to work in that vein. So I remember uh, as I went to college, I had four different majors. I started out, (laughs) I started out as an accounting major because, you know, I love math. And then I changed to computer science because the computers were coming really big. And then I realized how quickly technology was changing and I didn't want to be in the school forever. So I changed to middle grade education and then eventually to early childhood, which I was running away from because the children were so small. I didn't want to break one. And so um, majoring in early care and education, wow, it opened up a whole avenue in my career. So I started teaching first grade as a paraprofessional for two years, teacher assistant, started teaching first grade. And four years later, I jumped all the way up to the college level effort and started working at the college level at my alma mater, Albany State University, go Rams, go to Rams and HBCU. And from there, that's when I realized there was so much more you could do in education. 
So the dean placed me over the child development centers. We had two that our university was administering. And so I taught two classes to the adults on campus. And then I would supervise the center director and the uh, participants and the staff at the child development center. And from there, I went, wow, this is a whole nother realm of our profession that we don't touch on because we're often talking about the school system. And lastly, a biggie that I'll share that really turned me on to entrepreneurship. My first conference presentation, I was a middle 20-something-year-old, and I was flying to Canada along with my dean to present on a program that we designed together, a summer program for teachers that we designed together. And from there, I met all these different professors from different places. One had written a literacy curriculum, and he was marketing that. One was on a sabbatical, and she was working with Mattel, the toy company. I, I'm thinking people people do that. They pay you for your advice as an educator. And that conference way back in the late 90s is what started me on my path to become an entrepreneur in the field and support others in the field. So you really have um, brought to the table the idea that an educator is not just an educator, at least doesn't have to be just an educator, that by applying entrepreneurship and looking at the broader marketplace and those transferable skills, that there's other people that will pay you what may be a public school system or a particular town or a particular uh, you know, district may never pay you or may never be able to afford to pay you. But that doesn't necessarily have to limit you in terms of what you're able to earn and your capacity to create income and ultimately build wealth. And I know that led to you writing a book, The Paid, yes, y'all, P-A-I-D, Paid Educator, 10 Professional Ways to Supplement Your Teaching Salary. What inspired you to write that book? When did you write that book and what led to the writing of that book? I like to tell people God wrote it, Alfred, because I sat down to write a memoir. Mm. That's what I sat down to do. Your plan, your plan, and then God was like, "Let me tell you, little girl, what you really going to be doing." You know what they say about telling God your plans, right? <laughs> so I sat down to write this memoir about my life to inspire others, and this book came out about all the different things that I do to support others. Uh, and I was happy about that because people often ask, educators will often ask about some of the work I do. But they get a little timid and concerned when they think about even trying to do it. And I remember many conversations in the teacher's lounge and, you know, trying not to be braggadocious to them. But, you know, let them know, y'all, there are other things out here. You are so good at this skill. You are so good at that skill. You should show others how to do that and you can make money doing it. And, you know, they were going to how much time they didn't have and all the reasons why. And I figured maybe if I put it in a book. That will support them. So I'm so happy God was doing this for me, making sure that this was in writing. And so in these 10 professional ways, it's actually that I'm showing them 10 professional ways that they can use their skills that they have to make additional income. A lot of teachers are working in department stores. Especially during holiday break, you'll see them in department stores making money. Uh, You'll see them driving Uber, Lyft. You know, there are so many different things they're doing outside of the classroom. But I wanted to show them professional ways so they can lift their heads up and poke their chest out and say, yes, I'm using the skills that I was trained with, uh, trained to provide. If you are an educator, you love an educator, an educator supports your household, everybody knows somebody. And if you're in church, then you know teachers are a big part of your congregation. So listen, if they're not listening, you got to get them on to listen to this show 
because we got Dr. Bisa, who is the author of The Paid Educator, 10 Professional Ways to Supplement Your Teaching Salary. And Dr. Bisa, you're talking about, again, we kind of want to pick up on what you said during the last segment, because we saw a lot of it, especially during the pandemic, uh, you know, when people were scrambling to try to supplement income, make more money. Um, and, and, our, and then we also know about teachers who are literally going at, in some cases, into their own pocket to finance things for their classrooms. So you're talking about service-oriented people who don't always think about things they can do that is within the, their training as educators in this case, that only enhances their value in the marketplace, but doesn't distract like driving an Uber might from what they really, really want to be doing. So talk some more about, about this idea of it's not just, just making extra money, just be making extra money. It's really being strategic about the skills that you have that you got through education and the experience in the classroom that could be leveraged in so many other ways in the marketplace. Yes. Thank you, Alfred. So P-A-I-D, it is an acronym for Prospects, Allies, Information, and Dollars. So, you know, if you follow the P-A-I, the dollars will come. So when it comes to prospects, what are the good services, events, occupations? What are you considering doing what talents you have. I tell uh, my clients to, hey, hone in on your superpowers. There's something that you do extremely well that people look at you all the time and go, oh my goodness. So what is that? What is your superpower? And that is one way you might consider a prospect to make money. So think about who your clients will be. Who would want that particular product or service that you are so good at providing through your superpower? In terms of the A, allies, we always need allyship. Who can support you in making those connections? Uh, I have friends who work uh, in school system because I'm an educator. So uh, they work in different school systems. And so I have a lot of connections to get to uh, where people help me to know what's going on and to support me in moving my business forward even. So who are the allies in your life? They may not be a client per se, a prospect, but they may be someone who can help you to make those connections and help to make sure, hey, there's this program and this new grant out. You should connect with this. There's a conference coming up. You be a great keynote speaker. Who are your allies? I is for information. And this is what do you need to know to do your uh, particular uh, job better, your your career better, but mainly your business better. Um, What is it that you need to know a little bit more of? I just love a conference. um, And this time I just want to sit. I I did not want to present I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be behind the scenes is what I told everybody. And we need to do that, sit and learn. I built so many new connections through this conference, especially since it was the first time in person in three years since uh, because of the pandemic. So what information do you need to know? And then lastly, the dollars, how much money can you make doing that, um, selling that product or actually implementing that particular service? That's the P-A-I-D. And once you come up with your P-A-I-D or definitely your P-A-N-I, Let's move into the 10 different ways. So I divide the book up into four different uh, segments. So it starts with reading. It goes into writing. Uh, We also get into speaking. And then finally, selling. So they can see in those different uh, ways how they can make money. Uh, My English teachers, I'll say, hey, they're really good. They're They're always reading, right? Reading papers and documents. Well, you know, there are people who pay for that. So there are magazines out there, there are blogs. So, you know, you guys will eventually grab the book or go online and look at more information. But those are just a few uh, speaking. Also, um, again, proofreading, 
editing, writing yourself. Again, just a snippet of what's in there. You know, Dr. Bisa, I always tell entrepreneurs, even those who are not teachers, that teaching is a skill set. And one of the things that a, a lot of people I know, both in the teaching profession, who aren't traditional teachers, but found out that they knew something really well, they were passionate about it, and that people would pay for a class to learn how to do it, you know, because they so you enjoy it because it's a thing you love, but you're a teacher. So you can teach a class in your house at a local university. I mean, I'm just amazed to the degree to which a number of people that I know who, um, and let's say within the teaching profession, really leverage their ability to, to really communicate information and to get people excited about learning, which is something that can be applied. It's not something just for your eight-year-old. I mean, there are senior citizens that are like, I want to learn how to do this thing and you're willing to teach me. I'm willing to pay for that. Talk to me about this idea of understanding that teaching itself is a valuable skill set in a marketplace where people either want to learn new things or if they want to make money themselves, often need to learn new things. And you don't have to be stuck within a particular structure of an elementary school or a college campus to be able to find opportunities to give that value to the marketplace and be paid for it. Yes. So here's the thing. I I like to always say that, you know, I'm never trying to pull teachers out of the classroom. We know we need teachers in the classroom, but it's also important that we know what can we do to improve our lifestyle. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, as you all said earlier, as Steve said, we're we're making less than most uh, other professions, childcare providers. Oh, my gosh. The lower you go down into the education level, the less you make. And why is that? Even on college campuses, you would be amazed. I had students who would graduate when I was teaching college who would graduate making the same salary I made or more. Wow. Interesting, right? So, yeah. So if you think about it, uh, as educators, we have a big heart. This is the main concern here is we have these skills and talents that people would pay for. Uh, We have these products that we could create that people would pay for, but we have the big heart and we don't want to charge for it. Oh, wow. I want you to dig deeper into that because I talked to some, t- some people, I'm thinking of a person in particular, I'm not going to call their name out, but she actually felt guilty about accepting payment for something that was absolutely helping the person she was teaching make a lot of money. Yeah. And like you said, the big heart that, and again, there's nothing wrong. We know teachers are service oriented. What do you have to do to navigate the people that you work with past this idea that Yes, you are providing a service, but that service is worth something and you're not doing something wrong or unethical as an educator to be compensated for what you're bringing to the marketplace. I definitely have to help them monetize their services. And and sometimes it starts small. Uh, I remember during the pandemic, uh, a music uh, educator, she charged five dollars. $5 and was given this amazing musical experience online, but she became a millionaire that way. You know, you go to teachers pay teachers. That was a, you know, a a major pivot in our uh, profession because so many teachers were selling what they were just making artistic tools to teach the alphabet in their classroom. And they were making money again, becoming millionaires by selling something for $1, $8 on teachers pay teachers. So it's important to just for educators, and, and I'm saying this to you guys, educators, come on, You, what is your superpower? Think about how much your school even pays for people to come in to teach you. We have so much professional development that we have to attend. And oftentimes we are sitting there going, I could have done that. 
and I could have done it 10 times better. But we sit through professional development through and throughout the year, knowing that we also have something of value to offer. So talk to someone also in your life who will also say, hey, you do do this very well. Let me also help you and support you in monetizing what you do. Start with a small fee if that makes you feel better. Do one or two for free if that makes you feel better to get people interested in it. But don't continue to do it for free. You know, as we wrap up this segment, I want to give some thoughts on this side of the segment where we can dig into it more. You know, we lose so many good teachers who don't want to leave the profession, but either through economics necessity or, or whatever, they have to leave the profession. And, and what I think you offer to those teachers who really do see this work as a ministry, as much as a pastor sees as a ministry or a praise leader sees as a ministry, there are teachers, the best teachers, I think, we see this as a ministry. So when we come back from the break, I want you to talk about the willingness to buy into what you're promoting in your book and, and as an education leader and motivator, that this is a way for you to really continue in your ministry in a full, full-hearted way without feeling like I either got to do what I got to do to survive and make money, or I can do what I really feel called by God to do. So listen, we're listening to Be Lifted Up, your God to living an abundant life. I'm here with Dr. Bisa. We're talking about ways educators can boost their income and still pursue their ministry as educators. We'll be right back with Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Welcome back to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. And we're just having a really important conversation because we're talking about really a a form of ministry, Um, teachers, teachers who, yeah, there are some teachers that just do it because it's kind of a job. But we know that the best teachers, the most important teachers, the ones that are dedicated to profession, really approach this as a ministry. And I don't mean just Sunday school teachers. I'm talking about teachers that teach whether it's early childhood education, all the way up through college and postgraduate education. We have our guest, Dr. Bisa Batten-Lewis, who really is doing a great service, a ministry of her own, by helping educators to understand how they can maximize um, their skill sets to still do what they love, still do what they're called to do, but not necessarily take a literal oath of poverty to do it. So Dr. Bisa, talk about how this can help many teachers who are very passionate about teaching save the careers and stay in the profession that they really, really do love. Teachers, 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 once you have honed in on what your superpower is, don't think about the money first. Think about the P, the A, the I, the prospects, allies, and the information. What do I need to do next to make sure that I can truly get um, my name out there? I know, y'all, educators, it's hard. You know, you don't want to be popular. You worry about the celebrity status. Let me tell you. If people don't know who you are, how can they work with you? They have to know who you are. Social media is so important. If you don't want to do it, find a Gen Z or a millennial in your life and they can help you. But it's so important that name recognition is is there. So while you're on your job, you're working full time, go ahead and branch out and start presenting uh, at conferences, also local professional development. Join a committee. I remember when I was teaching high school, I was training teachers in high school in early care and education, training teacher, uh, young students to be childcare providers and teachers. And I was on the professional development committee, end up leading it along with my assistant principal. Uh, that's a skill I had is working with adults as well. 
Well, also presenting at conferences. Years ago in the 90s, when I was teaching at the college level, I was presenting at conferences. So again, you do this while you're on your full-time job. You may not be getting paid for it, but you're building your brand and you're building name recognition. It may take you four or five years, but at that mark, you can determine how much you want to charge. You need to start charging to go into programs uh, so that you can train staff or whatever your particular superpower is. So think about how you can monetize that. Uh, And lastly, uh, for the segment, I just share briefly. One thing I started doing was working with mommy baby companies because I'm an early childhood educator and adult educator. So those, oh my gosh, those skill sets came together so well. I remember being contacted by a mama baby toy company, third uh, top in the nation and abroad. And I walk into the office and as imagine an educator effort with this, I go in and my name is on a screen. Welcome Dr. Bisa Lewis. <laughs> I'm just a lowly educator, right? That's how we think. But my name was on the screen and that made me feel, wow, they value me. Why do I have imposter syndrome and I don't value myself? And from there, I was writing information to help them to sell their toys using the developmental information that I knew as professional. You know, Dr. Bisa, one of the things that I, I, I learned as a journalist when I first got into my profession, I found it's true across all professions. Simply people knowing your name for what you do will, will command more money than if you're an anonymous. In other words, you got the exact same skill set, the exact same degrees, the exact same education level. But if one person, I know your name and you're just another teacher, you automatically command more money. You know, you know as a young journalist, I figured out it's important people to people to know that, no, not just any staff writer wrote that article. And I'm talking about when I was you know in my 20s, just starting out in the profession. It, it became a part of my brand that no Alfred Edmund Jr. wrote that article. And that was leveraged for me, not only in my current job, but in terms of what I could command going forward in my career. So I, I really want, want to circle back to a point you made earlier about, and, and now we have social media, which we didn't have when I started out in the business 30 plus years ago, um, that it's, it's not only okay, but it's good for you to what we call reputation management, to use LinkedIn, to use Instagram, to use TikTok even, depending on the market you're serving, to build a reputation around your name. So you're not just any art teacher in a public school. You are that art teacher. You're not just any, you know, special education um, leader. Talk to me about it, because this goes to, again, branding, entrepreneurship. It doesn't mean you're going to leave the profession, but every teacher is special in, in his or her own way. And the ability to shape your brand around that says a lot about, even within your job, it's a difference between losing an anonymous teacher out of your school versus, oh, no, Dr. Batten is talking about leaving the school. Let's have a conversation before that happens. So, yeah. so talk to me about, about this idea that, yeah, social media, it's not just about being famous. It's about creating a reputation that, that has value in the marketplace. Oh, yes, it is so true. And it can be uncomfortable. I know it can be uncomfortable. It is a must. I tell you, um, <laughs> If I can do this, uh, did this years ago without social media, you guys, I used to say five years. I was told when in the 90s, it'll take you about five years to get your name out there, present for free, you know, do this and that. Uh, but now it won't take five years because of social media. I was introduced to social media in 2009. 2009, my my friend next door neighbor who I grew up with uh, in childhood, uh, the great Lethia Owen, she's a, uh, a global marketing uh, consultant now. Uh, she said, "Be so you're on social media? And I wasn't. 
So 2009, I never forget. I got on Facebook. I got on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also now the Instagram's available but on Instagram, TikTok. It is important because again, people that I would never see or touch, they will still know what I do. And also the tagging is important. We know hashtags are important. Uh, we know tagging others is very important. So in a lot of rooms, when I ask for something, it's easier to get it for my fellow colleagues. And I can do it because of the brand that has been built. Uh, so it's really important. Lastly, I'll share, I remember being at a, an event reading to some students, some children, and one of the educators, she was looking at me and she finally came over and she said, I want to do some of the things you're doing, but I don't like talking about myself. I don't want to be on social media talking about myself. I said, well, you know what? It's going to be really key in order to, for you to get your message out and to get your brand built but we're uncomfortable doing that. So you got to start, start writing those notes, those messages, little things you want to share. It can be a quote of the week. Uh, it can be something for um, um, on Mondays. I like to share a mindless moment, on, a mindful moment on Monday. So think about what's one thing you want to share. If you're an art teacher, you can share your favorite artists on, on uh, every week. Think about what you can do add to the world, add value, and make sure you do those hashtags and tags so people can start paying attention to what you're sharing with the world. Show the world that you have value, and then you can eventually start being paid for that. Your point about, I don't want to talk about myself, I don't want to talk about myself. And I'm, I'm like you, I was an earlier adopter. And one of my kids calls me the, the social media OG, because I just, I was just fascinated about this idea that I could share ideas and connect with people and learn about people all over, you know, literally all over the world, certainly all over the country. Um, but this idea that you have to talk about yourself, and I tell people, you really just talk about what you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be your personal life. If you're a teacher, talk about what you love about teaching, um, what you love about the thing that you teach and the different things or the experience you have with one of your students that got it, which every teacher loves that experience. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm so with you that if you start out thinking small and it's not about you really it's about what you love it's very possible to post on that every day without ever talking about yourself um, yeah you know i posted about teachers uh people who have been teachers like billy crystal was a teacher oh yeah, Williams, cool. after, yeah they were teachers and so i was i was doing it for a while showing you different people yolanda adams you know was a first grade teacher like me so i loved uh i love sharing that and again that wasn't about me but it was letting other people know other educators who are doing very well in their respective careers but they started out in the classroom we've been talking to dr bisa baton lewis author speaker educator development coach about things that educators can do to break the earnings barrier that many of them operate under in their core teaching job, to be able to find other ways to leverage their skill sets, their passions, their abilities as educators to bring value to the marketplace and get paid for it. And we, you know, we've covered a lot of ground, branding ourselves, looking at ourselves entrepreneurially, getting past the imposter syndrome or the I'm a servant syndrome, I shouldn't get paid for what I do, I shouldn't get paid more. But Talk to me about some some practical things that if an educator is listening to the show right now or somebody who listens to the show that knows an educator could say, listen, you can do this, you can do that. I remember our goal is for, in my opinion, is for educators who really you know, lean into this as a ministry. We know how important educators are to our society to not feel like they're choosing between doing what they feel called to do and they're passionate about and making a good living and, and, and having a, a, you know, a high standard of life. This show is about living an abundant life and that shouldn't be 
something that's off limits for teachers who are serious about their profession. So talk to me about some practical things that educators can be doing as first steps to get along the path of what you talk about in your book. Make a list. Don't we love lists? Start with a list of gaps of what's missing in your profession um, that could be improved. What's missing and what can be improved? Make a list. For me, it was curriculum. Uh, I have WINGS, uh, W-I-N-G-S, WINGS curriculum. And that came about because we needed more practical curriculum for uh, no matter what credential a teacher is when they start working in preschool and childcare, I want them to be able to utilize a full-fledged curriculum. So I wrote WINGS. So you created a curriculum. I know a little bit about education because I got one of my brothers is a great teacher. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of passionate about it from an observer standpoint. But you created a curriculum for infants and toddlers and preschoolers. And I think a lot of people don't think about that. They think, oh, they're little. Give them mm-hmm. some blocks, give them some crayons, mm-hmm. you know, make them play nice and, and, and we're done. But you literally found a gap in the marketplace for creating curriculum for, for early childhood education. Yes. As a consultant, I was going in another way you can make money, guys. But as a consultant, I'll talk more about that. I was going into different uh, childcare centers um, and they were required to have these different um, materials or different regulations based on their state uh, who they were funded by. So many of them were trying to get state or nationally accredited so they can be the best on the list in their state and nationally. And so I was going in to support quality improvement. And a lot of them would say, oh, we use this particular curriculum, but I didn't see any evidence of that in their program. If they did, they didn't know how. It was too much. It was too convoluted for them. So I eventually developed wings, put all the pieces I was training them on, uh, lesson planning, assessment, family engagement, put all that together. And in 2009, wings was launched. We're in the fourth edition now. Uh, It is a national curriculum. We're in close to 30 states. Uh, And, you know, that's one of the ways that I was able to utilize my skills. And we keep over close to 98 percent of our our people who use it, our clients, they stay because wow. it's practical for them to use. Wow, wow, wow. And while we're at the topic, talk about um, Ideal Early Learning LLC, another um, program that you have. Yes. Yeah, so as you guys are making your list of the gaps, uh, for me, uh, for Wings, for Ideal Early Learning, it was my training and consulting. It's my training and consulting. You don't want to do it under your social security number. You want to have a business uh, where you can send in your uh, W-9 with the name of your business and your uh, your EIN number. So Ideal Early Learning came about 2000, we'll say, but I really started in the late 90s. And this was me going to child care centers, even churches with preschools and training their staff on what? Curriculum. That's my thing. That's one of my superpowers. And so as I train them, you know, people pay for that. Uh, and I'm going to talk about money a little bit, Alfred, if that's okay. Please. And I talk about this a little bit in the book. Thank you. So back in the 90s, around 125 an hour was kind of the average is what people were paying for training. Sometimes it might be a two-hour training, a three, four super Saturdays or six hours on a Saturday, nine to four with a one-hour lunch oftentimes. So think about how much money you can make by going in and training on whatever your superpower is. And so 
People always tell me I have a bubbly personality. So I go in, I have a ball training these teachers, doing what I love. And so I was making money, but I was having a good time as well. And so I did early learning. That's why I was doing the training and consulting. I consult with school systems, school systems who want to implement early childhood in their high schools. I mentioned that earlier. I was a high school teacher. And uh, as well as later on after first grade in, in colleges, God put me in high school. I'm going, what in the world am I doing here? Well, look what it turned into. God, it's so amazing. We don't know what his plan is, but he was right. putting me this way and that way. And now I work with school system effort, helping school system, high school career and technical education programs, implement early childhood education and put their uh, those high school students to work, which also supports the profession and feeds it new teachers because our workforce is suffering. And that's what I do early learning. That's what I do in that um, in that particular company. You know, you you talk about your personality and I always tell people you don't have to have a bubbly personality to be noticed. You don't have to have the bubbly personality. I mean, I, people don't believe me anymore, but I'm an introvert. They're like, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. No, I was like, yeah, I'm an introvert. But but I, I think, you, you you know, you're somebody who's been covered in Essence and in Business News Daily and a variety of, you know, MadamNoir.com, the Network Journal. Obviously, you're on our show. And I, I always tell people, and I say this with all seriousness. If you can celebritize your celebrities get paid not because of their skill set. They get paid because they're known. They get paid because people kind of identify and on some level with something they do and, and how they do it. And they've now set themselves apart. You and I both know, especially if you go to church, we know there are literally hundreds of thousands of people who sing as well as you know Mariah Carey or you know, Beyonce or whatever. We know this. We see them every Sunday. Why does this person or a particular person stand out? Is because on some level, whether they did it on purpose or by accident, and obviously we know the grace of God is always involved, somehow they're not just another great singer that can hit the high C. And I, and I tell people, if you transfer that sensibility and you have um, to, yes, you're a curriculum developer, you're a teacher, you know, your trainer, your, but when all is said and done, you're Dr. Bisa and they ain't no other Dr. Bisa up there. So talk to me about how the ability to, I say, connect with your faith and who God says you are. Identify that that means there's not, there's not anyone like you and there's something special. It's something, a gift that you have, a thing that you're about, something you're fascinated about. And if you can figure out a way to package that away for the marketplace, there's somebody out there that will pay for it. There's somebody out there that will pay for it. And, and we'll thank God that you're offering it to them. Um, so, you know, just at the time that we have left, um, you know, and I, I want you to do it as quickly as you can, because I also want you to make sure our audience can find you on social and whatever, on your websites or whatever. But talk about just the, the ability to, to connect with that special thing that God placed in you that makes you special, even if you don't think you're somebody special. I love connecting with people and I love connecting people. And I really am truly a teacher at heart. I love sharing information. Don't tell me if, it, you know, it's the secret way, you, the way you make money. I'm going to tell people how to make money. So uh, or, or to do whatever their heart uh, has passion for. And so I do that definitely on social media. Uh, but before social media, you know, we don't really have to talk about that, do we? Because we have social media. But uh, make sure whatever room you're in. Whatever room you're in that people know before they leave, they know who you are and your superpower, that you've added value in that space. Whether it's church, if it's a meeting, don't leave without adding value. 
How can our audience find and keep up with what Dr. Bisa is doing? So my website is drbisa.com, D-R-B-I-S-A.com. You can follow me on all social media. Just click on the top right. You have all my social media uh, handles. You can just click and follow me, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm there. I have a blog, uh, all of that. So get connected. Sign up for my newsletter as well on my contact page. Uh, I'm there. You can book me to come and speak. I love motivation as well. So uh, that's me. I'm excited to be here. I've enjoyed this time. And listen, since we got a teacher on the show, I'm giving all of y'all homework assignment. If you are an educator or you know an educator, get the book, The Paid Educator, 10 Professional Ways to Supplement Your Teaching Salary. That's a great gift um, that we'll keep on giving. Dr. Visa, thank you so much for being on our show. I mean, we probably have to have you back, You're like, you know, back to school. We'll, we'll figure something out. But thank okay. you so much for joining us on Be Lifted Up, Your Guide to Living an Abundant Life. Thank you. I enjoyed this time together. (laughs) What a powerful, powerful episode and a great, great conversation from actually a really inspirational person. I mean, I wish Dr. Bisa Baton-Lewis was one of my teachers, now I'm thinking about it, um, in college. uh, I can see why she would be powerful as a trainer. But I also really want to drive home this idea that God does give each and every one of us the capacity to create wealth. And, and we know that means something different to every person. And it doesn't always mean a mansion and a yacht. But it does mean that you're not here just to survive and subsist and barely make it, that God has planted gifts and abilities in you that will allow you to always have abundant life, meaning more than you need. You will always have more than you need. That's what abundant life is about. And that's what this show is, um, your guide to living an abundant life. Be lifted up. So I really enjoy the fact that we had an educator um, in a space that is so important to our communities, an important ministry in our communities. We all know all ministry doesn't happen behind the pulpit. Teachers and educators are key, particularly to the Black community, a key part of our upper mobility. And Dr. Bisa Baton-Lewis is providing an important, important blessing to all of us by finding ways for educators to actually live an abundant life and still be committed to the ministry and the professions that they love. So just just a wonderful show. If you're an educator, if you know an educator, you definitely want to pass on her as a resource, um, get her book, um, and really, really, let's let's really reinforce the blessings that we get from educators. Listen, I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. sitting in for my co-host, D.C. Marshall. You're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. You can follow us on all social media platforms at B, the letter B, Lifted Up Radio, um, our website, BeLiftedUpRadio.com, to listen to past episodes of the show, and the Mocha Podcast Network.com to check out our podcast as well as other podcasts in our family. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. Thanks for listening. God bless you. See you next time. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life.